Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Pop a top again. I've just got time for one more round. Set them up, my friend. Then I'll be gone. All right, welcome back to episode six zero of Two Drunk Brothers in a Podcast. It is Tuesday, December 10th. When you guys are hearing this, it'll be Wednesday, December 11th, or whenever the hell you're listening to it. Um, we got a few little things we want to talk about in the intro here before we jump into the Generous Digest. And first and foremost is the college football coaching carousel. Obviously, we had a lot of guys get fired or resign or leave for jobs um, elsewhere. I'm so, very unimpressed with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's not a lot of names out there. So we'll just kind of quickly recap them, um, and then we'll talk about who we think so far has been the best hire acquisition. Obviously, our alma mater, the University of Missouri, Mizzou, hired Eli Drinkwitz from Appalachian State. Um, young guy, seems pretty energetic. Um, Travis and I like him a lot. South Florida uh, went with a Clemson co-offensive coordinator and Jeff Scott. Arkansas hires UGA O-line coach Sam Pittman, who's also um, from Arkansas, so it's a big deal there. Memphis's Mike Norvell leaves for Florida State. Lane Kiffin leaves his FAU stint that he was successful at for a couple years to go back to the SEC at Ole Miss. And then Greg Schiano was rehired back at Rutgers after he was let go back in 2011. Um, he's actually one of the most successful coaches in Rutgers history. So I don't understand how that – how he was because he was 68 and 67. He had a couple of years – well, there's – if you look at his bowl – look at his bowl history, that's why. So um, Yeah, I think he had like – I think – Five of his last six years, he took him to bowl games and they won every single one. Yeah, so he was there for ten years. His first, his first few years, eleven, eleven. So his first like five years were not great, and then kind of turned it up at the end. Um, but anyway, so Travis, uh, I'll let you kind of go ahead and go with it. So out of these people right here, who do you think is like the most impressive hire? I mean, I'm going to be pretty simple. I think it's Lane Kiffin, just because I think he has. Been the most proven, most desirable coach to get. Um, I mean, he's been in the SEC once before, and that was a fucking flop. I don't know. I just think he's good wherever he goes. He wasn't a head coach. Yes, he was. He was a head coach of Tennessee. It was a fucking dud. He was a dud at USC. So, And then he was offensive coordinator at Alabama. He, as a head coach, is 61 and 34. Yeah, but I'm saying he, he only was. only had one. I don't. He was the head coach of Tennessee back in like 09, 2010. Then went to either like left Tennessee, went to USC, or left USC, went to Tennessee. He was a head coach in Tennessee for one year, 09. He went seven and six. Yeah. And then he went. Not bad considering Ole Miss is garbage. They haven't had a winning record since 2015. They haven't had a coach with a winning record there since 2004. So, I mean, I think anything for them is an upgrade. Um, like I said, he's just been good wherever he's come from. He comes from the Saban coaching tree. Um, this is the best that they could have done. 
it was down to me, or for me, it was down to Lane Kiffin uh, at Ole Miss or Mike Norvell going for to Florida State. Okay, I, I that I'm, is one of the better hires I think they could have gotten. Um, he did thirty eight and fourteen at Memphis. I'm just skeptical about um, Kiffin just because of his track record as a head coach, but he did turn around an FAU program that wasn't great. Um, and like led them to a conference USA championship, I think this year. So um, we'll he's, see. He's only had one losing season as a head coach. And that was at USC. That was at FAU last year, five and seven USC. He went eight and five, 10 and two, seven and six. And they fired him after a three and two start in 2013. Bam. All right. Well, maybe you're right. I actually like the Greg Giano hire at Rutgers. I mean, if you look at that program, they have been, absolute ass since he left since he left in 2011 they've been 27 and 65 since he left i mean that is atrocious they're in the big 10 now um, which is a totally different ball game um and they've also only been in three bowl games since 2011 and in those three bowl games have been one and two like we talked about earlier shiano took him to six bowl games in 11 years um and he was five and one in those games in those bowl games as well so he is by far the best coach. I think they made a mistake when they let him go um, and did a good job bringing him back. Um, if I had to pick a second one as well, for me, it was also Mike Norvell going to Florida State. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the ones that we've liked, we said the worst hires. Now, there's some names in here that I have never even heard of before, but I think just from looking at it standpoint and kind of diving deep in, I think the worst hire for me is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. That's it definitely feels like a uh, feels like a Barry Odom esque hire because he was he, he's an alumni there. He's an alumni. He was he's for those of you who don't know he was Georgia's offensive line coach. Uh, so he was came up for, through Kirby Smart, and I just think in my mind an offensive line coach is just not who I want to be the head coach of my team coming in right away into an SEC team. I'm sorry, that's just there's so many things I think outside of an offensive line that he needs to learn before he becomes a head coach. Yeah. He's just, he's also really old. Um, the only reason why I, and to me looking at this list, like obviously to me, it six out is the worst hire. I also like USF hiring the Clemson co- offensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, he's old in the latter part of his career. Probably can't recruit all that well, like a young, like a young energetic guy can. Um, and I say the offensive line thing won't work, but then you look at the the Packers hired Matt Lafleur, and they're fucking ten and three right now. So, yeah, but you have also a good team already in front of you. You have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, my thing is is that did you did you say your worst hire was USF's? No, I like you. The only uh, one I don't like on this is Arkansas's. Yeah, for sure. I I didn't really mind, like USF's. I just think that they'll have a co-offensive coordinator who has actually ran a good offense and knows what he's doing. Meanwhile, you just got an offensive line coach coming in and trying to run everything. I just don't think it's going to work out. Arkansas sucks. Yeah. So, and and for all good. these new fans, we'll give our two cents real quick. Um, like I said, Travis and I like the hire. I just feel like that it was uh, – it's it's high risk, high reward with a guy. I'm, I'm worried about it a little he's, bit. He's got one year of head coaching experience, but if you look at his track record everywhere he's been, has been solid, and he's been involved in the offense everywhere he's been. He comes from Gus Malzahn, who we know runs some great offenses. So um, it's 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 to be determined uh, and see if he can recruit. That's a big thing for me. But he's 36 and young and seems like he's a, 
a, a big players guy and really, really good with the media, which is good. Yeah, he uh, Barry, Odom, Barry Odom wasn't wasn't good with the media. He came from that Arkansas State clan, which has produced some damn good coaches, um, like Gus Malzahn, and obviously him. My problem with him is that we were running out of time. I know that I think like three or four head coach primetime head coaching jobs have come and gone, and then we I think we might have pressed the panic button and hired him. He has one year of head coaching experience at Appalachian State. Which yes, he did go twelve and one, but that team was already there. We don't. They really were still. That team was eleven and two before the before he took over. I know exactly what I'm saying. We don't really know how he can bring guys in, so it scares me a little bit. And build them up. You're saying like like build them up. Yeah, like that team was already good, and that team was there. So yeah, pe- people were saying he was handed the keys of Ferrari, and he drove it excellent. So what happens when he's handed the keys to a 1975 Ford Pinto? Like, can he pimp it out and and make it better? I don't know. I would say we're at least an 03 Corolla. Okay, an 03 Corolla at this point. Um, I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see how he develops Connor Basquist, though, who says he's going to be ready before the season next year after tearing his ACL. So, um, see. Yep. Anyway, enough with that. We're going to move on to the NFC East, which seems like a complete dumpster fire. You got the, you got the Cowboys and the Eagles both sitting at 6-7. and seven. The Cowboys are technically in first place right now. Um, cause they beat the Eagles. No, they haven't. They haven't played each other. Have yeah, they did. The Cowboys beat the Eagles earlier. Okay. The, uh, and then they're both six and seven. The Cowboys finish out the season home against the Rams at the Eagles home against the Redskins. So I, could I see, see that. I could see two wins there. Yeah. And then the Eagles also six and seven, obviously finish out at Redskins home against the Cowboys at Giants. I think, for the Cowboys, especially that Eagles game is the most pivotal. I think, um, yeah, because well, it is for the Eagles too. Because if they lose that game and they still end up tied with the same record, the Eagles lose because they lost to them twice. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. This is what I'm saying. I say they both finish out two and one to finish the season. Um, Cowboys losing the Rams, Eagles losing the Cowboys. They both have the same record, but the Cowboys have the season series against the Eagles, and they are going to take it at what would that be? An eight and eight year. Yep. I, I also said this. I think the division was going to be decided when they, it's actually a Saturday game next week. Cowboys Eagles play on Saturday. Prime really? time. Yep. Cause the Saturday game start next week. Cause there's no more college football. And there's technically one more college football game. It's army Navy this weekend. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's going to be decided next Saturday when they play the winner of that game. will I think will ultimately win, win the division. Yeah, and I just think and, that the Cowboys have more talent on offense to get that job done. Yeah, and then whoever wins the division is going to get fucking dick smacked in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're both two horrendous teams. Yeah. Uh, so, recapping gambling, last week, um, I did actually pretty great. I went 7-3. and three. All my college games hit on Saturday. Didn't miss a single one. Jarrett finished 5-5. Five and five. Um, I, And I've just been – I've been in an average funk. So I'm saying right now, I'm not saying I'm going to have a great record because we only have five games this weekend, which spells Oh, I hate the games this weekend. I am saying my lock of the week is uh, about as surefire as a lock that I think you can get. Oh, same. I bet we have the same one. And is yours a spread or an over-under? It's a spread. So we don't have the same one. Um, It's about as surefire as a lock as you can get, I think. And I'm saying that if I don't get it, then something's going to come my way, which – this weekend is either going to be great or bad for me because I'm also in the Sacco Bowl in a league that Travis is in with me 
it's a punishment league where the loser has to have a punishment. And right now it seems the punishment is going to be cross-dressing and going out to a bar all night. So if that happens, you'll just have to dress up like usual. Yeah. Fuck you. So if that, <laughs> if I end up losing and my lock doesn't hit, if I lose my fantasy matchup, my lock doesn't hit. Travis will go Instagram live from the two drunk brothers account while I'm at this bar. And that'll be my quote unquote punishment, a double punishment per se. All right. I like it. But if you, but if your lock doesn't hit and you don't lose your fantasy matchup, you we, can, we can come up with something else for after when we come back in the new year. All right. Sounds good. Um, I like it. So with that, let's roll into the G- degenerates digest. Hey everyone, as you know, we've been recording with Anchor for about a year now, and honestly, it's the best way to record a podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because A, it's free, B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm actually recording this ad from my phone, and they'll distribute your podcast to you for free to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and like 10 other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required, and it makes everything so simple. If you want to start a podcast today, go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. My friends are degenerates, but I never change them. Liars, cheats, and hypocrites, not the time for saving. All right, so this week we obviously have no college football. We are kind of, we, well, there is a college game on this weekend, but we're not going to talk about it, Army-Navy. Cool, I guess, but I'm not gambling. Cool concept, and a bunch of people go to it, but not trying to gamble on that shit show. No, so we're just going to talk about NFL this week, which means we have the five picks for you. The three primetime games are uh, our lock of the week and our upset of the week. So Thursday night game. Before we hop into this, can I just say the only three games I lost last weekend were the primetime games, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, because, I mean, we put ourselves in kind of a box because I don't, a lot of times I don't like these primetime games, but it's everyone these might can not be games that I bet if they weren't primetime. Yeah, because I mean, it's like a it's a it's a rule that kind of Barstool Big Cat says. He goes, if there's a game a, a game on TV that everyone watches, you have to bet on it because you have to have a rooting interest. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't give a shit less about these games if I didn't bet on them. No, but I'll probably bet on Thursday night and still not even fucking watch it because it is the Jets. At the Ravens, the Ravens are 15-point favorites, and the over-under is 45. Um, I know what I went with, so I bet you we probably did the same thing. I mean, because this is just I – had, I had to go Ravens minus 15. Yeah, me too. There's I, just, I, yeah, I wanted to be like – Yeah, I wanted to be like, man, that seems too easy. And, like, my Thursday night record speaks for itself, and I wanted to go somewhere else. But the Jets are bad. The, they're bad. The Jets are bad. Le'Veon Bell's done with football for the year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He would rather go bowling than play football. I don't know if you heard this story. Um, he got sent home sick from practice last week on Friday because Le'Veon Bell didn't play. Saturday night, he goes out bowling. Bowls a two fifty one. It's apparently the best game he's ever bowled. And now it's like causing a big fuss. So the Jets stink. Sam Darnold stinks. 
the Ravens are going to pounce on them. Yeah. I mean, it, the Ravens are seven and six against the spread, which isn't great to me. The Jets are five and eight, but I mean, the, the, they couldn't cover last week at home against the Dolphins. In reality, they should have lost that fucking game. Yeah. If the Dolphins kicker would have well, let's went, not talk about that. Would have, if he would have went eight for eight, or if the Dolphins weren't fucking zero for six in the red zone. Um, but anyway, I just think it just screams that Ravens cover the jet. Like, like Travis said, the jets fucking stink. Um, so Ravens this, minus 15. This is how Vegas pinpoints this too. The Ravens average margin of victory this year is 14.9. Yep. Yep. They're playing one of the worst teams in the league. If they don't cover this spread, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the Ravens are not a good team against the spread this year, but I think they're just going to shit kick the fucking Jets in because it's a short week. I don't see the Jets being prepared. I think Adam, if you go back to Adam Gase when he was a coach at Miami, his Thursday night games in Miami were fucking blowouts. I remember, I think the last one I watched was last year when we put the Texans and we lost 40 to nothing. So I think yeah, I want to know Adam Gase's primetime record because it I, can good yeah i think we'll look up that and look up his thursday night because i remember as a miami dolphins fan our thursday night record was when he was the coach he was zero and three he lost every single one and it was always a fucking blowout the first year we were fans we lost to the Bengals pretty badly and then i don't remember what happened year two and then year three was last year he lost 40 nothing to the texans or some shit like that it was crazy yeah i know i can't find his yeah, but anyway, we just know uh, it, it's bad. It's bad. So we'll move on to Sunday night. Sunday night game. This actually got flexed into Sunday night. It originally was not the Sunday night game, um, but it, the NFL flexed it into the spots. It's a game that you wouldn't think would be important, but it actually is. It actually is. Three, like eight, five, five to seven weeks ago, it would have been this game's not important. But it's the Bills at the Steelers. The Steelers are actually the favorites. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites. And the over-under is 36-and-a-half. Travis, I'll let you lead it off. What is your pick in this game? Because this is a game that I could see. I could argue for all four of these spreads. Yeah, yeah exactly. I did, too. And I don't love it, but I think I'm going with the one that I was most confident in, and that is Bills at plus one-and-a-half is what I ended up taking. I know that Doug, old Ducky Hodges is undefeated as a starter, but it's got to come to an end. I think it does here because they're playing this Bills defense, who honestly is very good. I don't know if you've seen them yet. I know you have, but I, a lot of people haven't. His defense is way too good for him, and this is why. Because the games that he's actually played in and succeeded in and throwed, thrown more than 10 passing attempts have been the Chargers, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Cardinals. Four defenses this year who have not been able to stop anything. Now he's playing against one of the best in the league. I just don't see the Steelers being able to, to move the ball much. Um, wanted to roll with the under, but it's way too low for me. So I went bills plus one and a half or even money line. All right. I don't hate that pick. I didn't touch the spread. I went with the over under and I'm doing the over of 36 and a half. So hear me out on this. Like, like I told you, this is a, this is a game where I could argue for all four of these picks. I could argue for bills plus one and a half. I could argue for Steelers minus one and a half. And I could argue for both sides of the over under, but I went with the over, um, you know, like you said, the Bills have a good defense. The Steelers have been playing lights out with Ducky Hodges at, at quarterback and really have been playing lights out on defense since they've gotten Minka. I think they rank like first or second in every single defensive category since the, since the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. I know they're the second fantasy defense. Yeah, it's it's insane. Also, I feel like Vegas kind of set the bar a little low in the over-under on this one because 
of these defenses and how many points per game they allow on average. So Buffalo allows 16.3 points per game on average. Pittsburgh allows 18.6. You add that up, that's a total of 34.9, just below that over that under of, of 36 and a half. However, I feel like this game is going to be an outlier because one, both these teams are still battling for a playoff spot. Uh, Pittsburgh's trying to get that six seed. They have the Texans. They have Houston right there breathing down their neck. And then the Bills, they definitely don't want to fucking go to Kansas City and play in the first round. They would rather play the winner of that AFC South. I guarantee it every day of the week. So they're going to be fighting their asses off. I think this game's going to be a bit of an outlier and some more points are going to be scored than what they expect, which is why I'm saying the over of 36 and a half, which, I mean, really, if you look at their averages, that's really only a point and a half extra. I can see that happening easily in this game. Yeah, I just couldn't touch that over-under. It just scared me a little bit too much. Um, For sure. So, with saying that, take us into the Monday night football game, which is one that I didn't like at all, either side, any way you cut it. It is the Colts at the Saints. Saints are nine-point favorites in the over-under 46. Um, I just had to go with one that you know I thought would be the most likely, and I took the Saints minus nine. I did too. Didn't like it. I just think the Saints' offense has been on fire lately. They've scored 30 points in three of their last four games. The Colts have allowed over 30 points in the past two weeks. I think it's just bound to be a score fest by the Saints. Uh, and they just got the shit kicked out of them on the defensive side by the 49ers. So I think they get back to practice and uh, they really work their tails off because they want that first round by, which they're not in it right now. Uh, so these last three weeks are going to be crucial for them. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I also did the Saints minus nine. My big kind of statistical outlier that I found was – the Saints are 2-0 against the spread this year after losses. So they only have three losses. Obviously, their first two, the week, the week after they lost, they ended up covering the spread. And they covered that spread, and their, margin, their average margin of victory was 11.5 in those games the week after losses. So take that with what you will. They cover the spread. They win by an average of 11.5. This game's 9. I mean, this, the stats just kind of are there in your face. The Colts have lost five of their last six. Can't seem to get their groove back. They're all but out of the AFC South race at this point. So I'm taking the Saints in this one minus nine. Yep. Felt like it was the best choice for me. Like I said, I don't love any of these primetime picks as I got my ass kicked last week. So do with that what you will. But we have two picks left. Lock of the week. Rolling into that. Jarrett said he promised you his. So I'll go with mine to get the – anticipation out of the way i guess um or keep it going i have rams at the cowboys sunday at 325 this was almost mine rams are only one point favorites so that's pretty much a freaking uh, a win by the rams and it's gonna happen the cowboys stink they're terrible i hate the cowboys this year and unfortunately yes i said unfortunately i think the rams look to be back on track their offense is rolling their D-line is playing out of their minds. All I needed to see to make this pick was each of, each of these teams' last week's performances, and it's easy money for me. Rams pretty much to win, minus one. Yep, that was almost my lock of the week, but I kept digging, I kept diving. I had to find a, a gold nugget in there because I knew I was going to lay my this nuts This is in a the gold line. nugget. I just gave it to you. Yeah, uh, lay my nuts in the line, do a little parlay if you want with this one. Um, mine is the Texans at the Titans, not the spread. 
It's the over of 50 in that game. I know you got stop. Listen to me. I know 50 is a lot. Um, this game's Sunday at noon, by the way, but I'm going to go with Texans at Titans over of 50. These two teams are both eight and five right now. And neither have lost. They've neither have played each other in their same division. So in the last three weeks of the season, they have to play each other twice. And the over has hit an eight out of the 13 Titans games this year, but only six out of the 13 Texans games. But I think these offenses are going to show up and show out to play because this game and the next game they play has huge divisional implications. I mean, really, I mean, the winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat to win the AFC South. Both teams are averaging right around 25 points per game this year. They're both in the high 24s. Um, so, you know, really, that's right at 50. I'm going to throw a few more points in there, just like I did with the Bills and the the Steelers, because I think this game is going to have another level uh, layer added to it with the division on the line. So, um, high stakes, I expect the over to hit in this one. All right. I don't know if I like that pick because that takes me into my upset of the week. Both of ours hit last week, by the way. My upset goes. Can I, can I, can I throw out the stats? Because we haven't, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I go did, ahead and throw out the stats. I did, I did some research on it earlier. So, still, even though we had that little bit of a cold streak there, well, Travis had Travis's upsets didn't hit for four weeks in a row. But we went, so we went on a little bit of a cold streak. Um, but still, if you were to bet $100, on all of our upset of the week picks throughout the year, you'd be up $841. Um, Travis is five and seven in his upset of the weeks. I'm eight and four. That's a combined record of 13 and 11. So when you're betting underdog money line, that's a damn good record for that. So with that being said, yeah, I mean, we're, we're winning money on the upsets of the week. Um, But going off Jared's lock again, don't know if I love it, but it could happen. My upset of the week is the Texans at the Titans. Same game that he picked. Yeah, I don't see why this can't happen and still the overhit. It can, but just my justification of the Texans winning. This is why. I'm going, obviously, Texans money line there, plus 130 at the Titans. But I think, I'm sorry, Ryan Tannehill, but he's he can eat a bag of dicks. I think he's playing out of his mind right now. He's had the luckiest streak of his entire career. He is not this good. I can promise you he's not this good. And he's going to crumble like a cookie this weekend, I think. They don't put up any more than 17 points. Um, they're on their four-game winning streak. The only team, good team they beat were the Chiefs. After that, they played a few fraud teams, and they made Ryan Tannehill look good. I think Deshaun Watson comes out, has a field day after getting absolutely embarrassed by the Broncos last week. And Ryan Tannehill does what he knows best, and that is not how to play football. So I'm going Texans money line. Dude, but the Texans defense is we saw our boy Drew Locke just fucking tear them up last week. So I don't know, man. Ryan Tannehill uh, is no Drew Locke. Yeah, I guess. It's just uh we'll see. I'll see. I don't hate it. Mine is a the a value pick of all value picks, speaking of Drew Locke. Um, I'm gonna do it. Oh my god. The Broncos at the Chiefs. I mean, this is a pure value pick. Broncos at the Chiefs on Sunday at noon. Travis will be at this game to watch well, Drew Locke in Unfortunately, person. I'm going to be freezing my nuts off in 20-degree Kansas City. Yeah, but the Broncos are plus 375, ladies and gents. And I have some justification for it. I thought about it. I mean, 
like I said, this is more of a value pick. You know, you bet 10, you win fucking 37 bucks, almost 38 bucks. But the Chiefs are coming off a huge win in Foxborough. The f- first time in, what, 21 or 22 games that the, that the Patriots have lost at home. And this screams to me like a letdown game for Kansas City. A, a Kansas City team that has already clinched a division. They don't have a sh- really a good shot at the first round bye. So they're not playing for a lot. Like you said, they're coming off a big win, coming back home to a Broncos team that they haven't lost to since 2015. So they're probably like, meh, we got this in the bag. We, we, we just beat New England on the road for the first time in 21 games. Um, so, like I said, the Broncos haven't won since 2015 against Kansas City. That's when Peyton Manning was their quarterback, and they won the Super Bowl that year. So I think it's about time. And what better than Drew Locke, the Kansas City natives, homecoming um, to, to do that? So value pick out the ass. I don't – yeah, I mean, I think it would be funny to see it because I'm obviously going to be – I don't really care who wins the game. I'm going to be there. I just want to see a good game. Um, but if you're going to do this pick, you better do it soon because right now Patrick Mahomes is questionable for the game. He has a bruise on his hand. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play in this game, I'm going to be absolutely furious. If I drive all the way to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, and I'd see motherfucking Matt Moore play a football game. Yeah. We had to see Matt Moore play in a playoff game for the Dolphins. So, But I'm saying, big value there. Um, I obviously went a little risky this week. Travis is a lot more likely. But still, said 13-11 are upsets of the week. If you rolled with us $100 every, on every single pick, you'd be up 841. So if we do that this weekend and we lose both, you're, only, you're still up 641 on the air. Um, well, that does it for the Generous Digest. We're going to roll into the trending topic segment, which we didn't talk about in the intro. We're talking about UFC 245, a loaded-ass card this weekend. Um, they always, UFC always shows out at the end of the year. So let's get it. All right. In our trending topic segment this week, like I just said, we have a loaded UFC 245 card. The last pay-per-view card for the UFC in 2019 before they come back in 2020. And Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. In typical UFC fashion, they always close out the year with what I feel like are some of their best cards always. Um, so it's going to be this Saturday, December 14th. Um, yeah, the 14th, right? Yeah, the 14th. Um, you have to buy it on pay-per-view through ESPN+. Plus, um, and we're just going to kick it off. We're going to talk about the main card. There's five fights, three title fights, um, which is fantastic. And we're just going to lead into the first fight. It is a Bantamweight bout. It is number number four bantamweight for all you guys out there that don't know is one thirty five, um, number four Peter No Mercy Jan who's the minus four fifty favorite 
versus number 12, Uriah, the California kid Faber. We all know him. He's the dog at plus 325. Travis, how do you see this fight shaping out? Man, I, this one was no-brainer for me. Uh, I I mean, Uriah, he's I mean, he's classic, I guess. I don't know. Vet, the legend. He's a legend. He's a vet. But I think he is a little too, a little too cocky. He's coming out of retirement for a second fight. Uh, he's at the age of 40 now. He's old. And I think this fight gives him the reason to hang back up the gloves and, and call it quits. I know he wanted that last push for the uh, for a belt fight, but I don't think that's going to happen. Because Peter Yan, I looked at him in some of his fights because I'm not too familiar with the Bantamweight division. He is fast, shifty, powerful. He's a young gun. He's 26 years old. 13-1 record. His only loss came from a split decision, so we all know how those can be screwed up. So might as well be 13-0. and 0. Um, And, boy, he can throw some haymakers. He stays out of dodge. He's really good. He throws 5.76 significant strikes per minute. I think Uriah gets caught early because, I mean, in all reality, Uriah is a wrestler. I think Jan knows he can't go to the ground with him. So I'm going – Peter Yan by KO in the first. Ooh, damn. No respect for the California kid. Fuck him. You know, as, as much as I'd like to see Faber make progress on his comeback, you know, he came back out of retirement um, this summer, hadn't fought in three years, KO'd Ricky Simon um, in the first round, in like 16 seconds, I think it was. Um, but I think Jan is destined with a fight with the winner of the next fight that we talk about. Um, Faber... Like I said, he won his first fight in three years. Like Travis said, Jan's 13-1. He's actually 5-0 in the UFC, which is impressive in its own right. And 54% of Jan's wins are by decision. So that means that I think he, ha- I think that he has the gas to outlast um, Faber. And I actually have Jan in decision by this one. I don't think Faber is going to go out easily. I know he's been training hard. I follow Cody uh, Garbrandt on, on Instagram, and they train a lot together. Um, so I see the work that, so that Faber, means they can get knocked out quick together. <laughs> I see the work that Faber's been putting in. So I, I do, I do think Faber's got the, got the gas and, and the resilience to go the distance, but I think Jan just kind of outstrikes him. Like Travis said, he likes to throw punches, um, and really wins because of significant strikes. So Jan by decision for me in this one. So the minus four fifty zero value there, unless you parlay him. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that's way too, too risky. That's a hundred dollars when like 20, 22, yeah. Um, just if you have time, go look up Peter Jan, P-E-T-R, uh, on YouTube and his highlight tape. Dude, the dude is quick. Yeah, he's very quick. So that's going to roll into our next one, another Bantamweight bout. This one is interesting to me. It's number one, the number one ranked Bantamweight in the division right now. The only person who's ahead of him is the champion, Henry Sujedo. Um, we have Magic Marlon Moraes versus number three, making his Bantamweight debut, the former featherweight champion, Jose Aldo. So uh, Marlon Moraes is minus 195. He's the favorite. Jose Aldo is plus 160. Travis, who do you like in this one? Um, one, I hate this fucking division. It's terrible. Yeah, I feel uh, like people, people always just bounce around. Like, Sujedo is the flyweight and the bantamweight champion right now. Like, it's just they need to eliminate the flyweight division, and everyone from that division needs to bump, bump up to 135. Yeah. Um, I just don't like this division, but this fight should be good. You have a 22 and six Moraes versus a 22 and five Aldo, both very similar age. I think Moraes is 31, Aldo's 33. Like you said, his first fight in band and weight, he's coming down 
and this dude can pack a punch. I yep. think he can pack a punch that Marais has likely never seen before. Aldo has also been in big fights. He's won some big fights. Marea has not. Listen to this. Um, Marlon Marais has never won a fight on a UFC card. His only UFC wins have come from fight nights. Ooh, so this is this is his first big time big time event. He's 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 only lost. He's lost his fights on UFC cards. Oh, Aldo has just the more experience. He's won big fights. He's been there. He's coming down. He can throw a punch. So I'm rolling with him. Saying Aldo by KO in the second. Ooh, Travis, I love that pick because I have the same exact one. Same exact one. Aldo by KO in the second round. Um. Like Travis said, this is his first fight. We both said his first fight at 135. He came down. He's, he's getting older in his career. Um, he lost to Volkanovski, who's actually fighting on this card later that we'll talk about, back in May. His former opponent, Conor McGregor, who knocked him out in 13 seconds. Because a lot of people were saying, I don't know if you saw us on, on, on social media, but people were like, man, Aldo looks so terrible. Like his weight cut, he looks terrible. But McGregor's like, listen, guys, he's taking a smart approach to this because he's doing it over an extended period of time and not like trying to do it all the week the, during fight week. Like he's been prepping himself. He said he eats two pounds of salad a day, has been doing that for the last two weeks to, to, to prep and like slowly cut the weight rather than rapidly. Um, and I think, I think and McGregor predicts a good fight for him. Moraes is also coming off defeat. He got TKO'd by Sejedo for the Bantamweight belt back in June. And I think the winner of this one gets Sejedo if he's willing to fight. Now that's if he's willing to fight. Uh, both of them are strikers, but Aldo, like Travis said, packs a punch. He packed a punch at 145. He's one of the deadliest men in the game. 61% of his 28 wins come by KO or TKO. Moraes is a more grounded fighter, but I think Aldo can keep this one on the feet since his takedown defense is 92%. Aldo, I round two, TKO. All right, there it is. Love it. The next fight is the only women's fight on the card, Bantamweight title. Title bout. We're getting the title ones. Champion Amanda Nunez versus the number one fighter Jermaine De Rondami. Yep. Sure, I fucked that up. Nunez is minus 290. Jermaine is plus 230. And I don't even know why it's this close. This is Jermaine's first two fight year since 2013 wow that's that that is that is the research we we live for folks i did not have that that's a great dig so listen to this too in 2013 she fought and won in july then lost to nunez in november yep. this year she fought and won in july now she's fighting nunez only a month later so this is her only two fight year in the last decade it's probably since she's been in the ufc yeah and Nunez, in my mind, is unstoppable. She's beat Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, both in the first round. She can pack a punch like anyone else. Jermaine is going to feel the wrath again by Manny Nunez. I'm going KO in the first because she, she also her out in the first last time. Yeah, she also beat fucking um, uh, Ronda Rousey in the first. Just absolutely destroyed her. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I agree. I mean, how can you not pick Amanda, the lioness Nunez in this one? I know Jermaine De, De Radami is the iron lady and she's the number one contender, but when it's all said and done, Nunez may go down as one of the greatest UC fighters in history, not just women. I mean, of all time, like you, when you look at everybody, Nunez may go down as the greatest, one of the greatest UC fighters to do it. No one has had a reign of dominance like she's had. And she, my, my thing with her, 
She's not afraid to fight anybody or defend her belt against anyone. This, this, this matchup is, isn't intriguing at all, but she took it because, I mean, she's willing to fucking throw hands with anybody. 72% of her wins have been by KO or TKO, where um, Radami can go, to the, can go the distance. 56% of her wins have come via decision, but Nunez hasn't lost since 2014. And these two, like Travis said, have gone toe-to-toe before. Nunez beat her with elbows in the first then. I see it no differently this time. Nunez by TKO in the first round. Let's do it. There we go. Back-to-back, same predictions. I just, yeah, I mean, Amanda Nunez winning this fight regardless. And I think minus 290, while it is bad value, it's almost a guaranteed lock, I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, you could put it. Well, you know you put 100 on it to win, like, 30, but. That's free 30 bucks in your pocket. Uh-huh. Um, going into the second title fight on this card is men's featherweight, the champion Max Blessed Holloway versus the number one ranked contender, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. That's a great name, by the way, literally. Um, Max Holloway, minus 170, Alexander Volkanovsky, plus 140. The weirdest thing I think about this fight is the measure difference. difference. Yeah. Vol- Volkanovsky's long arms. Holloway has a five inch height advantage, but Volkanovsky has a two and a half inch reach advantage. But then you look at, so I think it's because um, Holloway's all legs because he has a six inch leg advantage. Leg Interesting. Reach. It's, it's really weird how this fight plays out. Should be a good one. They both love to throw punches. They both land over six significant strikes per minute a piece. Yeah. But Volkanovski has the ability to take the fight to the ground. He averages over two takedowns per minute. Uh, he, he shoots the legs. He's there. Him compared to the ground versus Max Holloway is so much. Max Holloway is a stand-up fighter. I think even if Volkanovski, Volkanovski can't take this fight to the ground, his strikes are more accurate. His significant strike percentage is close to 60%. I think he's going to be able to control the fight, whether that be standing up, on the ground, um, so I'm going Volkanovski by decision. Ooh, a round, a round five decision, huh? Round five decision. Yep, because remember, ladies and gentlemen, that all three of these – so this is, this is going to be a long card probably because all three of these title fights have the ability to go five rounds um, since they're all title fights. So this is going to be our first disagreement, Travis. Um, I am actually going to go with uh, Max Bless Holloway in this one, the champion, um, because of that leg advantage. I think with – I think – um, Max Hall is going to use his legs to keep that distance. I, I, and I know that Volkanovski can take the fight to the ground. But if you look at Holloway's um, takedown defense, it's, it's pretty good. It's not, it's not like top tier, like 90 plus percent. I think it was in the, somewhere in the 80% range. Um, and, you know, I, I think that leg's going to be the, the leg distance for me is, is going to be the big key. Volkanovski hasn't lost in his UFC career, but I think all things have to come to an end. Um, and I have uh, Holloway by round four TKO with those leg kicks. I think he's going to get a high leg kick in there in the, in the fourth round. Um, but I would not be surprised if it went to decision either way. I just think, yeah, I think that because, for those of you who don't know, Max Holloway, I believe, is 5'11". Alexander Volkanovsky is 5'6". Yep. So I think as much as he tries to take him down, Holloway's just too long uh, for him. He's going to be able to shoot. He has a quicker distance from where he's at to his legs, I think he'll just be able to take him down a little bit more than what he's used to. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see that. That like, I literally, 
texted Travis while I was prepping for the podcast, and I said, I have no idea who I want to pick in this Max Holloway fight. Like, it was, it is literally out of all five of these, my least confident one. Yeah, the other ones I like a little bit, this one and the next one, not so much. Um, which leads us in to the main event men's welterweight title bout. Should be a great fight. The champion, Kamaro, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman. Versus the number one contender, Colby Chaos Covington. Uh, we have some close odds on these last or on these fights. Kamar Usman's minus one seventy, and Colby Covington is plus one forty. I did some digging, or not some digging, but I looked into it. I didn't know both these guys are fifteen and one. Yeah, the exact same record. Should be a good fight. Both is actually two have come from submission. Um. They can both stand up both both before the UFC, I think, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, They can both stand up and strike. They can both take it to the ground. But what I found in Usman's game is that he only has one submission win in his whole entire career. Um, So if I'm Covington, I want to take this fight to the ground. And that's where he can control this fight. Since 2016, Covington has won all of his fights by decision. I think since like 2014, Usman has won all of his but one by decision. Yep. Both these guys' stamina is absolutely insane. I think the better bet on this fight is to bet on the fight going the distance. Over under and fight going the distance. I think this fight 100% goes the distance. It's just a matter of who wins. I think I'm going to take it by ground control and go Covington by decision. I love it. Um, I also have Covington by decision, not to spoil it, but I, I have it and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, like Travis said, they can both stand up and strike, although I believe Covington is the better striker. Um, and if you, they both, they both come from great wrestling backgrounds. They can both wrestle, they can both take it to the ground. But if you look at it, Covington is also the better submission artist as well. I feel like Usman fights very, very safe. He's a boring champion and I hate it. Um, but like Travis said, both of them can go the distance. In fact, I'll spit out some more numbers. Nine of 11 wins for Usman in the UFC have come by decision, including his last four, and Covington's last five have been by decision. The difference in this one, I think, is that these dudes really fucking hate each other. I mean, they, honest to God, hate each other. You have Covington, who represents, you know, the the conservative white America, and you have Usman, who's like this immigrant from um, Nigeria, and he, he, you know, they they legitimately, like, they have beef. Like, they, this is a fight where they hate each other. I don't think that happens on the rest of the card. This is the only fight on the card where it's like that. Um, but Covington's fight against Dos Anjos, for me, Travis, remember watching that? Like he, While he took it to the ground and controlled it, he also proved he could stand up and fucking just throw. And Dos Anjos is a guy that fucking packs some power. And I think that it showed that Covington can stand in, in you know the UFC term. He can stand in a, in a telephone, in a telephone booth, and just throw fucking punches and trade with anybody. I don't think Usman can do that. Um, so I think Usman would rather wrestle and gain control and Covington's going to keep this close and just outstrike him, significant strike him to death um, and really just kind of wear him down that way. Body shots, you know, trying to get, trying to get a few headshots in here and there. Um, if he can land enough significant strikes and pin him against the cage and really gain that, gain that, that ring control, I think he's going to point him to death. Um, neither of these dudes have been knocked out, so I don't see that happening. So I have Colby Covington by decision as well. Yeah. I mean, their fighting styles, while they both can do all the same, I think is a little bit different. Covington doesn't really knock out many people. Usman 
40% of his, his wins are knockout. I think it's just going to be a weird style of fight where it's just back and forth. Might be a little bit on the boring side, but it'll be fun to watch because they're two both really good fighters. Yeah, they, they both can take some punches. Like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if in those championship rounds, those, those fourth and fifth rounds, we start to see him say, fuck it. And just start throwing and like, you know, oh, they're going to, they'll be exhausted, but their stamina at the same time, probably the two best, two fighters in the UFC with the best stamina. And this, the, this whole welterweight division, the stamina and the welterweight division is out the ass. Like even Woodley, I mean, Woodley lost to Usman by decision and they, they went five rounds. So, I mean, um, that welterweight division is insane. It's probably to me, probably people who are at the healthiest weight, if we're being really honest. Yeah. Like to me, it, it's the best division in the UFC right now is, is, is the welterweight. Oh, hundred percent. Yep. So there's UFC two forty five this Saturday. You're going to want to watch it. I honestly might not be able to watch it. I'll be out of town in Kansas city. Unfortunately, I'm sure there's some bar that that'll have it on somewhere. Yeah. This is just the first fight. I think of the year that me and Jared have watched separately that, ones that we've wanted to watch so but the next two will definitely be together because it's gonna be connor and john jones in the next two so absolutely so that's usc 245 we're gonna round it out with answer the internet questions so let's get it cracking what do you got i got some good ones and i kind of want to change the order because i want to end with this one because i think it's a better debate um so which it's weird because the one i think it's going to be a better debate is a pull the internet question, but we're going to have a first one. It's, a, it's an answer. To the internet question. It's would you jerk LeBron off for all of his athletic ability? 100%. Yeah. A thousand percent. What's it going to take tops five minutes? Yeah. Misery to be the best athlete in the world. Yeah. At anything. I mean, he's a, he could have I mean, that, but I mean, you're essentially, would you jerk LeBron off for millions and millions of dollars? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, even at my age, at 28, you know what I do? Like, the, the best bet, because no one's going to want to sign a, a 28-year-old who just gathered this fucking athletic ability overnight, I would honestly try to get into the UFC is what I would try to do. I, don't, I, would, do some, I would do something. I mean, I would make money. That's, yeah. I mean, jerking him off, yeah, for sure. Go for it. 100%. So I agree with that as well. Um, pretty pretty easy question there if you guys disagree <laughs> with us and you're crazy. Um, is the there any one, answer? Is there any data on that one? No, there's not. The, the data are on the poll. The internet questions. Okay, that was an answer to the internet question. This is a debate. The internet, which it's kind of weird one, but we're gonna roll with it anyway. Kind of weird one. It, it's it's a weird one. Um, it's is there any athlete you would be okay with your girlfriend or wife fucking? <laughs> Jesus Christ! And I'm gonna say no. Yeah, absolutely not. Why would I? I don't care. Yeah. You, Brag about you going and sleeping with I don't even know who. Fucking I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's uh for Dude, me they could spin this question, make it really different, and be like, if you could let your wife or significant other sleep with one athlete, who would it be? I'm not gonna I'm not that's not the question, so I'm not gonna talk about that. <laughs> I plead the fifth. I'm 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 just here so I won't get fined. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a big no. Yeah, no. I don't care. Unless don't they inherit a bunch of money from it. Yeah, unless you get – no, I wouldn't. Nope, nope. I'm going to say no. No, no, no. Even if you get half their money? Nope. I don't, that, that wasn't the question. The question was would you? Just, so, so no. So no. I mean, that's an easy debate the internet. I feel like this one is a better – is a better debate question. 
It's a poll of the internet question, so we have data on it. And I want to know everyone's answer to this one because this is one that I think is very interesting. And I think I know how one of our loyal listeners, Cyrus, would answer this question. It's fucking wrong. Would you rather be filthy rich in 1900 or poor now? I mean, that's – it's rich is rich. I'd rather be filthy rich in 1900. Yeah, me too because, <clears throat> one and, – and we always ask Cyrus this question when, when we live together, and I'm going to call him out. He always like, but I wouldn't have my cell phone. I wouldn't have the internet. I'm like, you wouldn't fucking know about it. So what does it matter? <laughs> the only thing – yeah, I mean, I would rather, way rather be filthy rich in 1900. Yeah, because then you're going to fucking come up through the like the Great best, Depression. You're going to – well, no, you're going to eventually go into the – you're going to be rich during the Roaring Twenties, which is some of the best party times. I know. Alive. And then you won't be poor in the Great Depression because you'll be yeah. so rich. And you're going to experience some of the greatest you know, historical moments in, in U.S. history. Let's say if you went back, you'd be the same age you are now in 1900. So I'd be 28, you'd be 24, which means by the time the 20s rolled around, I would be – 48, which would be a great age to still kind of party. You're done having kids or whatever. I mean, I'd probably already have kids if I was a 1900 and I was 28, but 110% be filthy rich 1900 than. I feel like that's where like swinging began. Yeah. (laughs) For, for couples. I feel like people started swinging in their roaring twenties. I guess, but like being poor at any, if it was, if this was flipped on its head, like, would you rather be poor now or poor in 1900? I would still choose be the, to be poor in 1900 because being poor now would suck. Yeah, shit's, I mean, I guess with inflation, it's all the same, but I feel like shit's just way more expensive now. Whereas, no, if you, if you look at the inflation data over like the last 30 years, like the cost of housing and shit has risen, whereas like the wages have not that much. So, you can't afford a place to live now if you're poor. Back then, you probably could fucking build something, like go buy some lumber and build something. You know, you do. But seriously, you don't have to go through like building permits or anything like that now, like you do now. No, yeah, but like think about how easy it probably was. <laughs> it sounds bad, but like to just steal shit back then. Yeah, no, legitimately, yeah, like fucking like Red Dead Redemption style, rolling to town in your fucking horse yeah, you and just, just roll in and steal shit. Now they have cameras and you're caught and you're gonna get thrown in jail. Yeah, no. I mean, how easy it was to just escape jail. Back yeah, then. exactly. So, I mean, like, regardless of what, like, and now if the answer was, would you rather be filthy rich now or filthy rich in 1900, it would obviously be filthy rich now. But that, that's not the question. Is Would you rather be filthy rich in 1900 or poor now? And the answer, 100%, is filthy rich in 1900. What's the, what's the uh, do other people say? 85% of Barstool readers choose being rich. Yeah. Let's do one more. All right. Quick. All right. Let me do one more. I'm just going to pull a random one out. Random one, random one. Oh, weird. Wow. I pulled one we've already done before. It was the the zoo one. How'd I do that? I'm going to pull one from this end. Oh, we already did that one too. Wow. What? I mean, I'm pulling from right here. Sorry. Okay. Well, this is this looks like a wild one. Well, yeah, that's what I like. Answer the internet. Would you rather be in a modern world with only pregnant chicks and cats and you can't watch porn or live in a world where everyone is your mother and father and you can watch porn? 
Hey, you're gonna have to read that again because even I got you know, lost. So would you? So the first option is: Would you rather be in a modern in a modern world, modern world, with only pregnant pregnant chicks and cats, and you can't watch porn, or the second option is live in a world where everyone is your mother and father, but you can watch porn? <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, I don't know who thinks of this shit. Like, um, guys, I did not come up. This is literally, literally I'm holding up a card from the game right here. I mean, do they do they do they stay pregnant forever? I I, I don't know, man. That's this is the this is why these answer internet questions I feel like are sometimes they're better debate the internet questions than anything. Like for me, I, I <laughs> that one's so fucking confusing. Yeah, I'm gonna go with World B, man. I'm gonna go with the second one. Mom and dads, yeah, born. Yeah. I mean, other than that, if not, you're just stuck having sex with pregnant chicks. Yeah, like you're fucking goddamn. But if you if not, you're just not having sex. Yeah, but I don't know, man. It's uh that's a that's a weird question, if you ask me. Like who thinks of this shit? Like, I, think, I guess I, I don't know, man. Like legitimately who who thinks these fucking questions? But I'm everyone, going, will, everyone will love you if it's world B because it's your mom and dad. Exactly. Yeah. You can't piss anyone off. You can go <laughs> mooch off everybody and get money. Like, I mean, I guess I'll go with world B. Yeah. I mean, world A sounds like it sucks. First of all, Travis, I know you have a cat, but a world with, with just cats and pregnant women, like first of all, but also we're not forgetting about pregnant women, which what you guys do with your bodies is, is phenomenal, but they're pissed off all the fucking time. Yeah. I just hope World B comes with a lifetime supply of lotion. <laughs> well, it doesn't say any other restrictions. It's just that everyone's your mom and dad. So, well, um, yeah, but you can't sleep with your mom and dad. No shit, Sherlock. It's called. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They better, and all you get's porn. But wait, wouldn't the fucking porn be with your parents? Oh my! That's another conundrum I didn't think of. <laughs> it would. It have to be. <sighs> Fuck it, I'm going all day. I switch. Yeah, me too. No, you, you, you threw you threw that wrench in the fucking plan. That was that was weird, man. That's weird. The more I thought about that, is weird. All right, yep, that's good. That really weird ending to this episode. If, uh, we'll we'll switch it up. I'm going to the Kansas City Chiefs game this weekend. If there's anything in Kansas City that I need to do, we need to go. Let me know because yep. I've only been to Kansas City once or twice in my life. Yep. And then the one time he's never been there when he was 21 either. So um, yep. definitely send your recommendations to Travis. He'll have a fun time. I'll try my best to manage the social medias while he's gone. Also, while I'm watching his fucking crazy dog um, eat. So Good luck with that. Yep. Well, we'll be with you guys. We have one more episode to round out 2019. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about the college football bowls our gambling picks for those, our gambling picks for the college football playoff games, um, and a few other things. And we'll round it out for 2019. We'll see you guys in 2020 after that week. But uh, take it easy and have fun. Cheers.
to go gliding in the one horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.